Hello, you're listening to the Sarah Sloan Show, and I'm Sarah Sloan. Hope you guys are doing well and had a good Independence Day. Of course, you know, a lot of people aren't having to work today, so that is always a good thing. Well, I'm joined here with my father, and we're going to discuss the news, as we regularly do. I thought a good place to start was uh, I did see a clip of a committee hearing, and um, basically they had on a celebrity. Her name is Sophia Bush, and yeah, the point of the committee is young people are not getting vaccinated. So let's listen to what they have to say. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, I am very concerned about the lagging vaccinations uh, and the rates of the vaccinations in younger Americans. According to the CDC, just half of Americans between the ages of 18 and 39 have received one or more doses of the vaccine, compared to more than 85% of Americans age 65 and older. Ms. Bush, I really admire that you have been so outspoken on this issue. What message do you have for young Americans who have yet to get vaccinated? Thank you very much, Representative. I, I think it's incredibly important for us to acknowledge the facts and then also acknowledge how we feel about them. We are seeing that overall COVID cases are dropping, but only among the vaccinated, and the rates of infection, hospitalization, and death among the unvaccinated remain unchanged since January of this year. And we know that more and more young people have contracted COVID, and we know that it is not just adults. COVID-19 is among the top 10 pediatric killers currently. So this does matter for all of us. This does matter for young people. And I understand that there is a, an air of invincibility at times, especially because in the initial stages of the outbreak of the pandemic, we thought that this was something that mostly affected young, older Americans. That's simply not true, and especially for young people who have so much of their lives ahead of them, who have dreams that they're building on and academic careers to pursue. So much of that is magic, frankly, because it happens in person, because of who we meet, who we fall in love with, where we wind up working, and I don't want young people to lose those opportunities. And Representative Waters asked how entertainers and rappers and activists and athletes can play a part. What I would encourage any young person watching to think about today is how many of us you know through a screen or through a sport who you've seen get vaccinated and our bodies are literally our jobs. When I watched Megan Rapino and Sue Bird not only go get vaccinated in Seattle, but volunteer at a vaccine site, I knew that that would be meaningful to young people, to see icons, professional athletes, whose bodies are their business, whose bodies have to run like gladiators, go out and get a vaccine to protect themselves and also their families. And so my hope is that if you're a little less interested in politics than, than most of us in this room, that perhaps the people who you look up to, the athletes and the entertainers, et cetera, who you know don't really have anything to do, generally, with what's happening in these rooms, believe in medical science, believe in the innovation, understand that as we look at a global number of over, it's three billion, 
of over three billion vaccines that have been administered, we're doing great. This will save lives, and in particular, it will allow young people to get back to the futures that they're pursuing. Congressman Mahoney. So, yeah, this was interesting to me for a lot of reasons. Um, oftentimes, celebrities will be brought in mm. to speak at committees mm-hmm. just to kind of draw some attention. And of course, you know, she's posting it on her social media. And so then they're seeing all of that. And this is to influence people my age to get the vaccine. And yeah, I also just thought it was funny how she was like, our bodies are our business. <laughs> <laughs> like who, whose isn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Waiters and waitresses, if they don't have a body. They can't do business. Like, I, I don't know what she's talking about. Our bodies are our business. Like, okay. maybe for sports people, sort of because of their giftings. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It's just like if you, if you somehow are bodiless. This, yes, bodiless. <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to be able to do much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, and then later on in this clip, it gets kind of creepy. It's like, how, sh- how can we get more people to get vaccinated? And then they're like, the thing with young people is like, okay, it's cool. Yes, you did a lottery. You did, you know, free college, stuff like that. She's like, that is cool. But what young people, and sorry, Sophia Bush did not say this. It was another lady who was saying this. Um, She's like, what they really want is maybe it could be like free concert tickets or you get lunch with a celebrity. That's stuff that really excites young people. It's just like so creepy. (laughs) She's like, you are so desperate for us to get this vaccine. And you need to chill. You know, when somebody is pushing so hard, it might make you suspicious. It's it's very concerning to me. I, I don't remember the names or the details, but there was this doctor that had a lot to do with uh, the research for the vaccine and that RNA, mRNA thing. It was the key to it. And he uh, basically has come out to say that when he weighs it out, I guess he was, I think he was actually talking about those under 18, 12 to 18 or whatever the age is. He doesn't feel like it would justify them getting the vaccine. Uh, he, when he's, he compares the risks with the benefits. Uh, he said, if they do get COVID, it's not gonna affect them much. And so um, the risk is, far outweighs that and of course his material and what he said was um, oh yeah what they did I I remember one detail they eliminated his LinkedIn account and apparently this was something very important to him and I think he may be suing as a result of that Um, apparently he's very well known has established this account for many many years and uh, yeah, they just wiped it out and because they didn't like the content of what he was uh, posting. And yet he's one of the ones that had to do with the creation of the research behind the vaccine. Golly. <laughs> scary. Mm-hmm. Definitely scary. And yeah, if you're into conspiracy theories, um, and if you're not, it doesn't hurt to hear some. But uh, we've heard... I think that some people are saying in two years, the people that got the vaccine will die. Um, <laughs> right. And yeah, it is a bit laughable. Um, 
and pretty extreme. But I will say, like, you know, in 40 years time, will it have an effect? Side effects. Yes, side effects. Like, will you, will something be different in your body? Mm-hmm. We don't know. This was made very quickly. Um, yeah, this doctor in particular said it was experimental and had not been approved by the FDA, but was allowed under some emergency provision. Yeah. That mm-hmm. bypassed that. So, yeah, I'm not too interested, but I did even see the story on the Epoch Times, and it was basically thousands given fake COVID 19 vaccines filled with uh, saline in India. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, for at least 14 people were arrested, and an Indian private hospital was uh, cordoned, I don't know that word, off mm-hmm. by police amid an, amid an investigation into an alleged vaccination scam that may have affected thousands of people. They were using saline water and injecting it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> that probably is almost like a placebo. They charge $10 to $17 per COVID-19 shot. So at least I made some money. Good profit margin. Yeah. <laughs> if it's 2,500 people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's the thing, you know. Okay, that was in India, but they did something sketchy with vaccines. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could do it here. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I always like to remain a little skeptical. And, yeah, especially whenever they're trying to get all creepy, like, you can meet your favorite celebrity. And I'm like, well, if someone saw me eating lunch with Bill Cosby, I would get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Okay, that was a joke. Oh, he's out of prison now, so it is possible. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So then, oh, gosh, there's, yeah. We'll play a little bit of this, but uh, Joe Biden, and he's talking for Fourth of July, so said that America is unique. Unlike every other nation on earth, we were founded based on an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And while we've never fully lived up to those words, we have never given up on them. They continue to animate us. And they remind us, but at our best, we as Americans believe. We Americans, we believe in honesty and decency, in treating everyone with dignity and respect, giving everyone a fair shot, demonizing no one, giving hate no safe harbor, and leaving no one behind. We lead by the power of our example, not the example of our power. And we're part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We stand as a beacon to the world. It's a code. It's a code. Uniquely American code. It's who we are. To all the service members and your families who are here tonight, today, all of you serving around the world, it's the greatest honor to serve as your Commander-in-Chief. Jill and I, Jill and I and our entire family, thank you for your service and sacrifice. Like so many military families, thinking of their loved ones who served, we think of our son Bo today. You're all part 
of a long chain of patriots who pledged their lives and their sacred honor in defense of this nation and democracy around the world, for freedom and fair play, for peace and security and opportunity, for the cause of justice, for the soul of America itself. Okay, I can't. <laughs> He's been doing some hard work and memorization because he got that Declaration of Independence down. Yeah, you know, the thing. Yeah, the thing. He, he actually had it this time. Yeah. So he's been working. And did Bo die from military service? No, he had a brain tumor. I, I think maybe he had some service. Okay. So that's all he's referring to. <sighs> just like, it's not the same, though. Right. Like, obviously, it's sad that his son died, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I just don't like when people use sad things mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. as like kind of mental manipulation because some yeah. people they'll do that like even if you're just talking to somebody they'll be like oh you know my mom died mm. and you're like that had nothing to do with what we were talking about <laughs> like right. obviously that's sad but like yeah you're trying to use that in a in a way just to get what you want for you to say i'm so sorry yeah that's all you want and ugh. okay and then this is, I think you'll find this to be pretty interesting, Dad. Um, basically, Alan West, do you know who he is? Yes. Yeah, he's going to be running for governor of Texas in 2022. Mm. So. Uh, That's encouraging. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, yeah, you know I don't like Governor Abbott, right? Right. Yeah, really don't like him. So this guy would be very welcome in my mind. And, yeah, he's a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel. Um uh, and then he, he had basically he had worked for, like basically he was a House of Representative for um, Florida from 2011 to 2013, and then he moved to Texas, and then in July 2020 he became the chair of the Texas Republican Party. Hmm. So that's what he was doing, and then he announced his resignation June 4th, and now he's challenging. Governor Greg Abbott. Mm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, he, this is what, this is a statement from him. You have asked me to come back into service for God, for country, and for Texas. For times such as this, that's why I'm running for your governor of the Lone Star State, so that we can protect and defend our home. And Abbott, basically, he's up for a third term. He's already secured the endorsement from uh, former President Donald Trump. And... Yeah, typically, a lot of the people that go up against Abbott, they're not really much of a challenge. I think now it's kind of coming to light that he's not like a good governor. I basically didn't know he wasn't until, I'd say probably about 2019 is whenever I started mm -hmm. getting the hint. Mm -hmm. And he had already been in there for a long time. And so, um, and then Senator Don Huffines, he's another person that's running against him. So, and he's another good one as well. I think if I could just pick, I'd rather have Alan West. But Huffines would be a huge improvement over Abbott. That's interesting. Um, you know, I I think it's it's going to be an interesting primary. You think of the Republican primary because it's going to be a lot of choices, and you know, just to you can't just run. You've got to really get your name and positions out there. And I would think it, like most Republican primaries, it's going to be a race to the right, you know, 
um, if you're further right, you probably do better than if you're more moderate in the primary. Uh, you know, the Republicans, voters, those registered Republicans are going to be looking for that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, uh, you know, as they try to show up the flaws of Abbott. And I have noticed recently, maybe just in the past month, Abbott doing some very more bold and conservative things in terms of orders and legislation and such. And I think he's kind of sensed that there's going to be a tough challenge and he's trying to preempt it by going further right, by being more active. He'd been kind of passive, I think, you know, to some extent. And uh, I think he's realizing that a lot of folks aren't happy with that. So, oh yeah, it, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and yeah, it. From what I've heard from people that know pol- Texas politics really well, Abbott could have been handling the border crisis like this could have been all fixed up, mm-hmm. and he's done nothing, absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. except for more spending on illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. So, and now he's all like, "Oh, we're gonna try to handle it." He's he's just trying to save his butt, and sadly, mm-hmm. we as voters. You know, and Republicans especially. We just fall for it every time. Mm. We're like, oh, well, now he's doing good stuff. He's doing good stuff right now. Mm. It's like, okay, but he hasn't been this whole time. We had like a year of a mask mandate because of him. He thinks he's like some sort of a king. Mm. Stand up for your state. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Yeah, really, you know, I'll end by saying this, that it always seems like Florida's getting better leadership than Texas. And, you know, all the good ideas are out there and, you know, we just kind of get the scraps, you know, they might follow along with 10% of what we hear out there is happening. And yeah, why does it have to be that way? It doesn't. It doesn't in any way whatsoever. And it's only because Abbott makes it that way. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And uh, Matthew McConaughey, he, he's giving an honest consideration to running and yeah if he would as a republican well (laughs) he might be an uh, independent he's undecided on it um but abbott is favored by 39 percent of respondents to mcconaughey's 38 percent according to a poll uh released july 4th by the dallas morning news and the university of texas at tyler so Mm. that'd be interesting if he did run as a third party, who would that hurt? You know, who would it split? And I I just don't know how, I don't know all of McConaughey's positions. If he was more, you know, moderate, then it might hurt the left or the Democrats more. But if he's more conservative, then it could hurt us. Yeah, I couldn't see... Someone, you know, people like us, we wouldn't go for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it might hurt the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I know like mm-hmm. Joe Rogan, he's obviously in Austin now. And there's a lot of people that think the way he thinks that are here now. Mm-hmm. And so they might vote for him. But I think if they were forced, they'd probably vote for a Republican maybe. But they wouldn't be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um. Just because they, they do have, like, 
They are social liberals, um, fiscal conservatives, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just kind of want government out of the way, in a sense. That's kind of the way that they think. So, um, but man, I Matthew McConaughey. There was a picture where he was like out in the desert, and it looked like he was by himself, and he's wearing a mask. Mm. And uh, Rick Green, he was saying, "I don't want this guy for uh, for governor if he's if he's idiotic enough to." you know, wear a mask in a photo like that, he's not for us. <laughs> right, right. And I agree. Uh-huh. I agree. Okay. And then there is a social media website called Getar, G-E-T-T-R. I don't know how to pronounce it. You can maybe say Getter or, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows. Um, and it was launched by Trump's former aide. So... His name is Jason Miller, and um, it was launched July 4th. It was launched July 4th, and let's see. Basically, it got hacked. (laughs) So, yeah, let's see. It was, yeah, it got hacked briefly on Sunday, and more than uh, 500,000 people got signed, were signed up for it. And, yeah, let's see what else. Uh, Yeah, basically it was this guy, and he was just like, he put free Palestine on a lot of people's accounts. And they, it was hacked from at 8.30 in the morning, and then returned to normal at 10 a.m. So, and, of course, the CEO was just like, well, they're trying to, you know, you're shaking things up when they come after you. Um, We we dealt with it in a few minutes. Um, But this, this actually looks like a bit more of a promising Mm. social media app mm-hmm. so i'm encouraged by it yeah it'd be wonderful to see some numbers and uh, some growth yeah maybe so Five hundred thousand is a lot and it was at the top of a lot of charts mm. mm-hmm. um what else he hopes that trump will join it but it he hasn't yet and he was pretty slow to join rumble which is the mm. youtube Mm-hmm. Like, I think he only recently joined Rumble, and Rumble's been around for a while now. So, yeah, because everybody's all like, oh, Trump made this social media app. No, he didn't. It was his advisor, mm. and Trump isn't even on it. So, yeah, because everybody's, you know, laughing at the fact that Trump was trying to make his own little social media thing, and he basically got rid of it because a lot, no, or it wasn't getting enough attention from the press. I think he was hopeful that mm. it, he would be in the news like he normally was with the tweets. And the media just wasn't paying attention to it. Mm, mm-hmm. But hopefully this guitar has a, a good plan so that they're not taking off the app store like Parler was. Because mm. seriously, that ruined Parler last time. And mm. now Parler is back. But that really hurt them. It was a setback. Oh, huge. Huge mm-hmm. setback. Um, but yeah, I, I'm encouraged by it. Okay, this is another clip of Biden. And he is being pretty slow to uh, kind of respond to a question on Russia. And yeah, once again, not fun to listen to, but I think it's just, you know, I keep on thinking, should I keep on, play, uh, keep on playing clips like this isn't mean, but I, I just think it's important for us to know. So mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. it is painful and sometimes I do get kind of tired of listening to, to it myself, it's important that we know that we elected this. Well, I didn't, but other mm-hmm. people did. So. I know if I can ask you a question. Sure. 
<laughs> right now, sir? Yeah. Uh, with the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this this means We're not that... sure it's the Russians. Okay. With I spot most... gun. Okay. I got a brief on the, as I was on the plane. That's why I was late getting off the plane. I got a brief and... Uh, Right. Would you like your receipt? Uh, I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me. Okay. Uh, that. He pulls out a, a card from his jacket and he's attempting to read it. The idea, first of all, we're not sure who it is for certain, number one. And what I did, I directed the full resources of the, of the government to assist in a response if we determine. What else you need? Oh, nothing. You're all set. Okay. And um, uh, the fact is that uh, I directed the intelligence community to give me a, a deep dive on what's happened. And I'll know better uh, tomorrow. And if it is, uh, either with the knowledge of and or a consequence of Russia, then I told Putin we will respond. And, uh, you didn't but, tell him already, sir? No, no, I haven't called because we're not, we're not certain. The initial thinking was it was not the Russian government. Um, but we're not sure yet. So... A whole lot of nothing. Yeah, that's literally all it was. Like mm -hmm. two minutes. Could you not just stop? Say, mm -hmm. we're not certain yet. That let me see what the what my communication staff said. Blah 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 blah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you just kind of get the impression that on a lot of these issues, it's you know, let's have a let's delay. Let's just not say anything, or we're not sure. We're still looking into it. And then hopefully people just kind of forget about it and never expect a follow-up because they don't plan on any follow-up. Just like at the border, there's no responses. You just do nothing. Uh, it's kind of, we're okay with this. We're okay with being hacked. We're okay with open borders. So why would there be a response? Of course, they have to pretend like they're wanting to respond or pretend like they care. They don't. Yeah, and... And it's really not good because um, basically it just shows that they don't have our best interests at heart. They're not willing to protect us. They And it shows our enemies that they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And it is no issue. You know, he talks about a response. What response? There's not going to be a response. There, yeah, absolutely nothing. You know, what is he going to do? Say, come on, man. Yeah, that's usually what he says. That would be his greatest response. Yeah, it, he, it is sad. It really is sad because you know with Trump it would have been different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It would have been a lot different. It's kind of somebody coming from the world of business versus somebody coming from the world of politics. In business, you know, you take direct, harsh measures to deal with competition because you want to win. And in government, you just you know, posture, you pretend, and there's nothing behind it. So it's just a matter of deceiving the public enough to, so that it doesn't hurt you too bad. 
you know, hopefully the public's not that foolish over time to see that uh, it's this ain't America first, it's America last. If anybody, you know, if, if anyone was answering a question like that, they mm-hmm. would seriously, you'd be like, what is wrong with you? In the business world, that doesn't cut it. No. It's like yeah. you're fired? Yeah, no, nobody would invest in you. Mm-hmm. Nobody would hire you. Mm-hmm. In an interview question, if you answered a question that way with a, uh, mm-hmm. uh, for two minutes, just a big load of nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, Lord. Oh, it stressed me out. Um, okay, Th- this was cool too. Uh, well, no, not cool, but interesting information. Um, <laughs> they're calling this the great resignation. Four million people, or 2.7% of the U.S. workers, quit their jobs in April. So that's a lot. And that's a record going back to the, to the year 2000. In all, 41% of workers globally are considering leaving their current employer this year, according to a survey from Microsoft. So, and then, yeah, there's a lot of explanations to it. Workers who didn't like their jobs, um, they were stuck with it, but now they feel like they don't have to be. A lot of people are retiring early after they cashed in on a booming stock market and rising home values. People have reevaluated their career paths after an unprecedented year which allowed for more reflection and some people are looking for jobs that have a better work-life balance. So uh, basically there are a record number of jobs, job openings in the U S right now, 9.3 million. (coughs) And in any economy where lots of jobs are available, people, you know, they want to go to a better job. They just want to leave for a better job. So um, it's giving the stronger hand to the employers and they, they even had this one story in this article. Um, There's a story of a woman in Georgia who quit her job after being asked to go into the office for a six-minute meeting. So mm. I, I don't know what the meeting was about. Mm. but Had to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And yeah, then now there's lots of wages that are rising. And they're rising quickly. And there's perks being offered just because they're trying to get good employees. Employers are. So... <laughs> Yeah, maybe, you know, once they're the employment, unemployment is taken away, then people will go into these jobs, but it doesn't seem like anyone's really interested in changing that. Um, but yeah, the great resignation. <laughs> Interesting. I know last week there was some unemployment report that 850,000 jobs had been created, I believe. Uh, of course, that pales in comparison to 4 million lost. But, you know, in light of the uh, cutoff of that federal unemployment supplement, uh, we'll just see in these months ahead, uh, it's already, you know, 26 states or whatever have cut that. Beginning of September, the rest of the country does, makes that cut, and that should bring a lot of folks back to the workplace. And I guess as people are reevaluating, you know, they're thinking, could I get something better? You know, and you do see wages rising. So like if you're in a job and you're feeling like, you know, you're not getting something better, you know, you might hear about other people talking about better opportunities than what you're in. And it'd be natural to think about a switch. 
Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of uh, employers, they should rethink some of the ways that they they are doing work and that they manage work. Like I see all the time the four-day work week, and I, I'm personally all for that. I, I really don't see the need for five days. And even if you lengthen the days just so that you can keep the 40 hours, so it, instead of eight days for, or sorry, eight hours for five days, mm-hmm. instead it could be 10 hours for four days. That might be something to mm-hmm. consider. Mm-hmm. And, well, there was a study, I think I saw some something about a study. There was an article where they had a study where it was 35 hours um, reduced from 40, and they had their employees working four days a week, and they saw that productivity did not change. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we just keep employees longer than they need to be just because of this 40 hours a week. You know, mm. and it's just, it's kind of unnecessary. And it's like you, I think that's why people get so sick of working for others because it's always got to be this way and you don't have time to do other things. And mm. I know it's a lot worse for a lot of people. Some people do 80 hour work weeks, but mm. sometimes it's just exhausting. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, because if you're looking at two jobs that paid about the same, obviously if one was the four day and one the five, you might go for the four. Mm-hmm. You know, you think from the employer perspective, if it's uh, somehow responding to the public, they've got to have people there five days. Obviously, they could rotate, you know, to have different four days for different ones uh, could work. So, you know, where there's other people that aren't attending to the public and it wouldn't matter so much. So, obviously, you know, well, you, you do hear even medical personnel, they many times might have a four-day uh, just... Um, because all those hours have to be covered one way or another. And if they just, you know, allow people to do it in the, in that way, it could be more attractive. Oh yeah. I had a job where it was four days a week and, mm-hmm. and I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And then, you know, if you're there, you're able to like really give it your all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe for teachers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, teachers, they just don't want to work at all. So. <laughs> I'm just thinking, okay, students would like that four day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's make everything four day. I, I don't know. I think it's a good job, but that's just, or a good idea, but that's just me. Um, okay, so then the unemployment rate for younger workers shot up to 32% last summer. And then the jobless rate for teens dropped to 9.6% this May, the lowest it's been since 1953. And it stayed pretty much steady at June, 9.9%. So employment among America's youth is recovering at a much quicker rate than for any other demographic. Yeah, that makes sense in that, of course, you got a lot of folks staying away from the workplace because the unemployment compensation. And then what are the jobs that nobody wants? You know, food service and, and a lot of those jobs which pay less, you know, you'd much rather get something better with more benefits. So those lower ones are just, you know, all the signs, they're hiring. Teens can take those jobs and do very well at those. So they've, you know, they've got a lot to pick from. So I can see why the unemployment rate is down for them. Yeah, yeah. And that's good. You know, I don't see a problem with it. Um, And good on them if they're being responsible and trying to make some money. So, yeah, they, uh, this is from the Morning Brew. They asked, uh, they were speaking with 500 college students 
and they got some, you know, some polling out of it. So, um, 72% have some kind of employment lined up for the summer, ranging from a part-time internship to a full-time job. I don't see how this makes a difference at all, but 81% of white students had jobs compared to 66% of Asians, 63% Hispanic, 51% black students. Like, these kind of comparisons with races, it it takes so many factors out of it, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it is just such a useless uh, thing to look at. Mm -hmm. Well, did you go for something more competitive? Because there's intern, there were internships that I know I could have gotten, but I'd never heard of the company before, and it was just kind of sketchy, so I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. So then I didn't get an internship that, that summer. Was that a racial disparity? Because technically, I do tag myself as Hispanic. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. So very silly. Um, and then forty three percent of respondents said that they're getting paid more than they were last summer. Um. And then, uh, yeah, wait, what was the next part? Healthcare, 20, 20% is the most popular field for college students. And food service is 12%. And then um, 38% of students found work through family, friends, compared to 18% through job boards. Th- 46% cited college and personal experience as their main reason for working this summer while gaining experience was the most important to 28% of respondents. And yeah, I definitely saw that that was true. I would always try through job boards, but I never got anything through job boards. It was just, for some reason, it doesn't really seem to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually it was like family or friends like telling me about something or yeah, somebody opens up an opportunity to me. It, yeah, sadly, it is that way. I kind of think it'd be nice if it wasn't because mm-hmm. I did a lot of applications and never got even looked at. Mm. It's probably just so competitive as it is. And then um, 31% of students said their biggest concern when going to work this summer was understaffing at their employers. Um, yeah, beating out worries over health and safety and working remotely. Yeah, so that's interesting. You know, like thinking that there's not a lot of people, so then they have more uh, more of a workload. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously if there's less people hired, then there's more on the ones that are there. Yeah. That, that's very true. And I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, working extra hard because of that. And they're probably getting burnt out and then mm-hmm. they're going to want to leave because you have to have, uh, you know, enough employees there. Right. It'd kind of be nice if you were a waiter or waitress, because then you probably get extra tables and extra tips. That's true. You know, it'd be a lot of work, but there's a lot of jobs where you probably don't get a penny extra. And the other frustrating part is, I really do feel like there's a thing against promoting people now. It's like they Mm -hmm. don't want to do it. The only way you can reach a promotion is if you go to another place. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. It's like nobody wants to promote people within their organization anymore. And it's really frustrating. And that would explain those high percentages of people planning to leave. Yeah. Because they're looking for something better and they're not getting it where they're at. So, you know, employers could try to offer something to their employees to keep them. You know, I don't know if sometimes that happens as they're walking out the door. But, you know, if they're happy with, you know, the folks they've got, they should do something 
to make them feel valued so that they don't leave. Yeah, they've put in their time. Mm-hmm. No one's saying after six months, you know, like we're, I've seen a lot of examples of people being there for, at a workplace for over five years and they are, they, they've done a good job and they want to be promoted. It's like, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a a spot that is a promotion and it's open, they do an external hire instead. It's Mm -hmm. just like, okay, Mm. well then I'm going to leave. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, well we could do something for you. We we got Mm. something. Why didn't you have something for me before? Mm. Why didn't you have something for me before? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, to value somebody as they're leaving, it just sits wrong. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, no, I'm out. Forget Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Bye. Okay, so uh, let's go to Psalm 2, 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Uh, there's some kind of uh, references, of course, to Jesus in that. and uh, Yeah, like he's the son. Right. Yeah, and I've begotten you. Exactly, and obviously he's the only begotten son of God. Yeah. And... Yeah, his aspect of impacting the world and inheriting the nations, you know, would be very clearly encompassed in that. Yeah. Do you have allergies or something? Uh, just a little bit of, well, struggling with some cold symptoms. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing like COVID. I uh, hope not. Yeah, I hope but not. But if I got it, you did too. So. Yeah, <laughs> family. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. And then, um, yeah, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth for your possession. Yeah, that makes me think, yeah, it is like what you said, you know, to 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 Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, rather than to us. Um, of course, we are his church, his body. He yeah. is the head of the church. So in that sense, we are united with him in that, you know, it sounds sort of like almost missionary aspect too, um, because of our calling to reach the nations. Okay. You know, so that aspect of inheriting them uh, through evangelism and discipleship okay so that with that whole mission aspect to it yeah that's good yeah we need more of that especially right now Mm -hmm. um well guys i hope that you enjoyed your independence day i certainly am grateful to live in this country um and i very much understand why a lot of people want to come here i really can't blame them but uh yeah i yeah, if anyone is disparaging this country, um, then they truly don't know what sacrifice means and all the people and all the lives that were lost for people fighting so that we could have these freedoms so that other countries wouldn't conquer us somehow or or uh, bomb us or whatever it might have been throughout history. Um, yeah, th- this is a beautiful place to live and uh, a lot of our foundation has been biblical and I just, yeah, I pray that we can really sustain that. Um, so I, I'm grateful to be a citizen of the United States of America. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day as my dad continues to cough. <laughs>